0: Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done, perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20.
1: Today on CityCast DC, DC's police chief is moving on after just two years atop the force. It's a moment of rising crime, congressional meddling, and lingering worries about policing. We are talking with Washington City Papers, Mitch Riles, about Robert Conti's legacy and how the city might replace him. Today is Thursday, June 1st. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mike. So, Robert Conti has been part of MPD since he was 17 years old. He rose through the ranks. He became chief in January 2021, which is just days before the insurrection. What does he mean to the department?
2: Well, yeah, like you said, he's been with MPD his whole career and has worked in virtually every level of the department. So, he, you know, rising to the level of chief to the people working at NPD i'm sure he represents the possibilities that you can achieve if you start as a cadet or if you work your way up and to the community i know that i've heard folks speak highly of him he's had a presence throughout the neighborhoods working as a as a patrol officer as a sergeant and now he's he's up in the higher ranks and so he has he has that experience he has that credibility among folks i think that's what that gives him
1: we've come through this period where police chiefs like around the country had they've been kind of like football coaches right like they, they would go from city to city washington would pluck a chicago top cop and and so on and this model where somebody comes up through one department his whole career was for a while rarer one of the Reasons for that was it was thought that someone from within the department couldn't didn't have the perspective to change the culture and change the place. How did Conti change the culture of the of the department? How did he change the department period?
2: I mean there's a few things that he did to change the department. The first is he really emphasized this it's called active bystander training, which is essentially where you train officers to recognize when another officer is acting inappropriately and to intervene in some way. And I believe he was the first or one of the first chiefs to require that sort of training for his officers. He's also made some improvements to their use of force policy since he started as chief and kind of, I guess, beefed up or improved their use of force investigations. He reintroduced an old unit in NPD called the Force Investigations Team, FIT, that group of investigators who specialize in that sort of investigation into officers' uses of force.
1: So he also, he took over the first chief to take over after the protests of 2020 that focused so much on police brutality. Yeah, And at a time when the sort of median DC local politician was much, much, much more police skeptical than they might've been 10 or 20 years before that. What was his relationship like with the elected, particularly the mayor obviously appointed him, but what with the D.C. Council?
2: Uh, from my perspective, his his relationship with Mayor Bowser was uh, pretty good. They're aligned on, it seems like, crime fighting and public safety strategies. His relationship with the council is a little more complicated from my perspective. The The Washington Post quoted several or a few council members after his retirement announcement singing his praises. Uh, council member Trayon White from Ward 8 You know, said, uh, I think he's a a competent leader. And I know Councilmember White has been happy with the fact that Chief Conti came from the district, he's of the district, and he knows the issues. Charles Allen from Ward 6, who chaired the Public Safety Committee for much of Conti's tenure, called him phenomenal. What's interesting is that Conti was resistant to and pushed back on many of the reforms the council tried to and eventually did enact. After the George Floyd uprisings,
1: let's go into that for a second. Explain what they butted heads over. There was a criminal code reform. There was some transparency stuff, and there was the budget. Can you lay out where he stood, the, the chief and the council?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So over the budget, I mean, the, the biggest fights over the budget were basically, you know, Conti and and Mayor Bowser. Uh, say that the department needs more officers. We're losing more cops than we're able to hire. At one point, D.C. had 4,000 or maybe a little more than 4,000 officers. We're down to about 34 to 3,600 officers, and they want to get back up to 4,000. The council does not think that's the right way to go, or at least didn't. And they were not in agreement there with with Conti's asks for a larger budget to hire more officers and buy more fancy equipment.
1: You've covered this. Was that critique legit?
2: I know that the DC auditor, Kathy Patterson, is working on an audit to arrive at some kind of definitive, objective answer to that question. She's analyzing how many officers we actually have, how they spend their time, where they spend their time, what are MPD's goals, and are we using, are we using the people we have most effectively?
1: And again, the, the members, particularly this progressive bloc in the council, wanted to bring much more transparency to things like disciplinary records in the cops. Conti resisted this, but I think the argument was this is going to be disastrous for recruitment, retention, morale. Is that a legit critique?
2: It's a legit critique from Conti's perspective. He's he's saying this as the guy that started as, you know, a cadet patrol officer, as as the cop on the street, basically, and and certainly. If you're a cop on the street, you don't want your dirty laundry perhaps broadcast to the entire public. From my perspective as a journalist and maybe from the perspective of the uh, citizens who are interacting with these officers, I would want to know if the guy who pulls me over or who I walk up to on the street and he's asking me questions, you know, if he did something really terrible or something that got him in trouble. I mean, uh, yeah, Conti sort of infamously or famously maybe In his pushback against this effort to make disciplinary records public said, it's disrespectful to officers, it's a violation of their rights, and how can we expect officers to respect the constitutional rights of our city if our city government disrespects theirs, which was sort of an incredible, really strong (laughs) statement and really, really made my ears perk up.
0: When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, A Vida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call
1: 202-234-7174. So the other thing that's happened during Conti's tenure is crime, almost all measures of crime in the District of Columbia have gone up. We've had some pretty horrific incidents, a lot of children shot. How much of this is on Conti, is on the police department?
2: Crime is such a a difficult thing to get your arms around and to predict whether it's going to go up or go down. All large cities right now are struggling with crime. And so it would be, I think, inappropriate to say this is all on Chief Conti. He's certainly not the only one making decisions and it just can't fall onto him, although he's also the chief. So uh, he certainly bears some responsibility for that. I think if you talk to you know, people in the Police Reform Commission and the maybe some of the more progressive council members, they will say that Conti and Mayor Bowser were not as excited about or did not embrace enough alternatives to policing. That was one of the big asks from the Police Reform Commission, which is another thing that came out of the uprisings in the George Floyd summer of 2020. One of their big recommendations was de-emphasizing or de-centering police in the scheme of public safety.
1: So they're saying that doing that would have led to less of a spike in crime?
2: Less crime, perhaps, yes, but also just a more effective public safety effort.
1: What has Conti said about why crime is up?
2: Conti generally says that there are too many guns coming into the district The sentences for people who they catch with guns are too light, and maybe the prosecutors and the judges need to do a better job of holding these guys when we catch them and sentencing them to longer prison terms.
1: I thought that was interesting. He took a shot on his way out the door at the U.S. attorney, who is, after all, an employee of the U.S. Department of Justice, which, as of next month, Conti will
2: also be, because he (laughs) is joining the FBI. Why is he uh, leaving? Right. Yeah, he is joining the FBI for a job as I believe it's the assistant director of the Office of Partner Engagement, which th- that office like sort of works with local police departments all throughout the country.
1: That seems like an office with better hours than
2: our. <laughs> oh, it has to be no doubt. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why make that jump? I mean, you'd, I would imagine that being the the chief of a big city police department, the capital of the country, is sort of the pinnacle of a career. Why why leave it behind?
2: Yeah, he made it to the top, right? He started at the bottom, and then he made it all the way to the top. I mean, 30 years in one place, I think it's reasonable to expect that uh, maybe someone needs a change of pace, uh, just a different a different look at things. Uh, I certainly can't fault a guy for that. He also said recently in an interview with Mark Seagraze of NBC that The pressures of the top job were weighing not only on him, as they have for two years in the top job, 30 years in the job generally, but also on his family. I mean, as the chief, he gets more of the heat, I think, for making decisions. And he alluded to some protesters outside of his home and threats to him. And I'm not sure about threats to his family specifically, but the job had bled into his personal life, I think, in a way that he didn't feel was worth it.
1: So now the folks you cover in the D.C. government are going to have to find themselves a new chief, which is a really challenging thing at any time, and particularly right now at a moment when crime is way up, when congressional meddling in D.C. is going on, when the politics of the police are more fraught than ever, where there's probably an enormous gap in how people, even in generally progressive Washington, at how people think of the police, What is the mayor prioritizing, what are the members of the council prioritizing as they think about what kind of hire should be made.
2: Right. Yeah. The mayor has said she'll she'll do a nationwide search. And I think as of a few weeks ago, uh, she said she had several applicants. She's also looking at an inside hire, but a nationwide search. I mean, I think she said she wanted to have someone in the job by June. So that's kind of a quick turnaround in my opinion. So we'll see whether she opts for someone outside or From within the department, she has, I believe, only promoted from within to the top job during her time as mayor. And council chair Phil Mendelssohn has expressed his his interest in seeing someone promoted from within as well.
1: But when I say priorities, I mean, like, this person's going to have to... Presumably, write like a memo. Say, here's what I would do as chief. Uh, What what kind of things are they looking for in this in this memo?
2: Right, right. Well, uh, well, Bowser is going to look for someone who is interested in reducing crime. As (laughs) traditionally, as as traditionally, this person is going to have to figure out. There's a a sort of a big debate going on right now about police in schools. Are they going to take them out? Are they going to leave them in? Is there going to be some kind of middle ground where there's a some kind of quasi-police presence in schools. I don't know. There was a, a cultural assessment of the department that Conti actually commissioned when he first started in the job. It's like a 300-page document, but it spends a fair amount of time talking about the lack of diversity among the higher ranks, particularly among women, about the discrimination retaliation on people who raise issues within the department, especially along the lines of sex and race. And there's A bunch of internal problems, I think, that this next chief is going to have to figure out. And on my list certainly would be transparency about what's going on inside the department and and when they're messing up.
1: So Washington's also not like every other city in that there is this sort of external part of the job where the, the mayor, she was up on the hill being lambasted by a variety of right-wing members of Congress. Last week, she had the police chief right next to her. There's this sort of external communications piece where you are talking to people on the Hill. You are also, as you alluded to, trying to put pressure on a U.S. attorney who, is, uh, who serves as the local prosecutor but does not work for you and does not work for your mayor. Mm-hmm. Conti believed that the current U.S. attorney hasn't prosecuted cases to his liking. How important is that in their calculation about what kind of person they want to get?
2: I have to imagine it's a it's a pretty big factor. I mean this this person has to yeah, like you said, has to juggle several different interests and work in different arenas. There's a amount of political savviness I think that has to to go along with this job, absolutely.
1: You've read that the three hundred page culture report and yes, they they commissioned it from a police research organization. Mm-hmm. In the standards of American urban police departments, how screwed up did they find DC to be. Is this a moment where they're going to need a real sort of like organizational whiz kind of person?
2: A lot of the issues that the report called out are internal and seem to be cultural. In other words, uh, kind of deep in there, you know what I mean? To me, that indicates that a an outside hire might be the best sort of person to come in with fresh eyes and shake some things up or turn some things around.
1: So they, in the meantime, there's a person called Ashan Benedict, who is the interim right. chief. What's his deal?
2: Yeah, uh, Ashan Benedict, he came to NPD. He was he was a Conti hire in 2021. He came from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, which is a federal agency. His title was assistant executive chief. He has said he's not interested in the top job, but happy to fill in on in the interim until Bowser picks someone else. He has roots in DC. It's been reported, I've seen reported that he's lived here for about 20, 25 years, maybe. He was a commander in the response to the insurrection and the aftermath of that. He was also involved in that agency's response to the September 11 attack and on the Pentagon and all the way back in 2002, the Beltway Sniper incident. So he's, he's been around. He's familiar with DC. Not interested in the top job, though. So... Let's go
1: big picture here. What is going to be Conti's legacy in DC?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's a tough question, one that I've uh, been thinking about for, for a bit. So, I mean, there's a few things. Obviously, like you said, he's sort of this homegrown talent, right? Like he's of DC, he came from the Carver Langston neighborhood in Northeast, rose through the ranks to the top job. And so he he acts as kind of this example of like, the ultimate possibility for a young person in dc you can do it certainly discussion of his legacy has to involve the insurrection he became chief like something like 4 or 5 days before january 6th and and had to deal with all that so he gets he and his officers his command staff and the hundreds of cops they sent on the ground there get get credit for handling that situation as best they could I've also, something I've noticed about MPD, and I've had this reflected back to me by other folks that I talked to, when I first started reporting in D.C. on the police department, I was back in 2018, it was such like an opaque and, I don't know, maybe rude and like uncooperative agency, like reflexively defensive. And they had to be sued to do anything that was even remotely helpful. Like they wouldn't really stop and frisk data. They wouldn't, release the identities of or the body camera footage of, of officers who who killed or seriously injured residents. And although some of those changes have been required by law or a judge's order, in general I would say under Kanzi, the agency has sort of let go of that like reflexive defensiveness. And that 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 comes from the top down, I think. If there are like some knocks against him, I'd say one is certainly that he he does come from the bottom ranks of the department and has spent his entire career with MPD and in DC. And so he did not have the benefit of working in a different city, seeing and trying different programs, alternatives to policing that perhaps would have given him a different perspective and maybe thinking outside the box, outside of the police-centered, incarceration-centered box of public safety in DC.
1: Mitch, thank you for being here.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. Hey folks, on
1: Saturday, June 3rd, that is this coming Saturday, we are going to be chatting with the head of DC's Brewers Guild about DC's craft brew scene, and we're going to be doing it live at Right Proper in Brookland. Come, drink, chat, meet the team, and learn all about local brews. It starts at one. Okay, and before you go, here is some quick news. The newly approved D.C. budget includes a plan to purchase and cancel up to 90 million dollars of medical debt collected at D.C. hospitals. The details are still being worked out, but it looks like eligibility is determined by income and amount of debt. Luckily, there is no application process, so once the debt is bought and canceled, eligible residents will just get notified. Meanwhile, and unsurprisingly, D.C.'s dominant Democratic Party has come out strongly against the bill to adopt ranked choice voting in the district. The party expressed concern that RCV would make voting too complex and harm voter turnout. They also described the campaign as, quote, an agenda to erode the influence of the strong Democratic base in the district. Also, an 11 year old has been charged with carrying out multiple armed robberies in D.C. That is in line with a trend of the time. D.C. police say more than half of the people arrested for carjackings this year are also juveniles. Finally, four Orange Line stations will close this Saturday through Sunday, June 25th. That is to allow for rail replacement. The stations are Vienna, Dunloring, West Falls Church, and East Falls Church. There will be shuttle service during the closure period. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not? Tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.